Hello. Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. In this episode, we'll cover Chapters 4 through 6 of A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. Um, last week's episode went like a little long, so thank you. Well, you know, (laughs) so thank you for hanging in there with us. This week, we also have a lot of feelings, maybe fewer feelings. No, that's not true. The same amount of feelings, but faster. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Also, I I, want to let you guys know really quick. We have actually recorded the whole episode. We're redoing the intro. And part of the reason why we're redoing the intro, we'll get to in a few moments. But just so that you guys are aware, I am getting over a sinus infection, I think. I'm desperately trying to keep it from becoming (laughs) bronchitis. So yeah, I've got all this like really gravelly voice going. But I assure you in the podcast, it actually is normal. (laughs) So um. Yeah, and we do have a lot of feelings, and things are really starting to pick up, and and I'm excited. I'm so happy we're back here. I really am. Like I know. people have asked me, they're like, "What's your favorite series of hers?" And I'm like, "Akatar," followed yeah. very, very, very closely by Throne of Glass, though, which you haven't read yet. But no, but I'm um, excited. <laughs> you know, I I am so excited, and and you know, I. We'll see what happens and where we go with all of this. But to say the least, I, I'm just, I'm happy to be back. I mean, me I like too. I didn't realize too. how much I missed these characters until now. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just Reese and Pharaoh, which no. I'm not going to lie, I miss them. I mean, obviously. But I have, I have really missed Cassian. Same. And like, I didn't expect that for myself. <laughs> Oh, I knew for me yeah. that's what it was going to be. So I did. I, I, mean, totally I knew this whole book was just going to be hard for me in general because, like, uh, like I think it's hard for some. Like for me, identifying as more of a Nesta, reading Nesta's story, like for me, it's a fucking lot. I feel like it's been a lot to read, but I've really enjoyed it, and like I right. really enjoyed like that grounding with like Cassian's character. And I don't know. I just yeah, I'm like really happy to be here, and yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> it is. I'm so happy that we're here. So yes, we do have a lot of feelings and we're going to continue to have feelings. But before we carry on any further, housekeeping, this podcast is not for little ears. So please, pretty please, whatever you all do, I'm begging you, do not let little ones listen because this is just getting worse and worse. I mean, and I mean that like in a so spicy and yeah, between yeah. spicy in our language, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like I, I, I have run ahead, and the amount of spice is. I, I keep joking that I really think that she got help writing these scenes from JLA because they read very <laughs> JLA to me, <laughs> which was always a little more than SJM at least up until this point. <laughs> very true. But we also have like a lot of other housekeeping, which is like why we had to re-record this intro. <laughs> Because we were like, you know what? We did not cover any of this. We probably should have. You yeah. may have noticed that you're only getting episodes every other week. And that is on purpose. <laughs> um, yes. And the plan for the foreseeable future. Uh, our bad for like not saying that before it happened and waiting to say it after it was already happening. But 
in between like work stuff and life stuff and then the length of the episodes we're putting out which then take much more time to edit and produce and all those things and then also the chunking of the chapters like we're reading slightly larger chunks so then that takes time to read and take notes and get on the same page and it's just going to be more sustainable if we continue to do every other week like two two episodes a month kind of a structure very true and in addition to all of the work and life stuff, like me getting sick, it's been a real joy, let me tell you guys. Um, we have also really recently realized, so thank you to Spotify Wrapped, that we have put out more than 40 episodes in 2022 and almost 4,000 minutes of audio. So we're tired and we're excited and we're happy, but we're tired. <laughs> Exactly. Like I recently saw a TikTok, I think it was Elise Myers, who basically said she knows like some people are like pushing to the end of the year and like trying to meet their 2022 goals or their resolutions or like whatever. And she was like, nah, not me. Like at this point from Thanksgiving to the end of the year is the gift I give myself for working the whole year up until this point. And I was like, yeah, I kind of feel that. Like I just feel like maybe, you know, after almost two years of like practically weekly episodes and and reading through so many pages. I mean, I remember we really talked about the math of the pages when we finished the first three books in Akatar, like and then just how long the first Crescent City is like we're just a little burnt out. <laughs> like we're excited to be entering 2023 and we're excited to be doing Silver Flames and be back in the actor universe. And we're excited to see what happens with the TV show and like the next Crescent City coming about and like, when is it going to come out and yada, yada. Like we're excited to be doing all that. And that's why we think this twice a month format is going to make us a lot happier and we'll be excited instead of stressed out about it. <laughs> we hope that y'all get that. <laughs> Yes, we really do. And we love you all. And we really do this all for you. So we just didn't want to push and push and push until we couldn't do it anymore. And unfortunately, that's kind of where we were headed because right. especially this time of year, we all know how busy and stressful the holidays get and adding this in and trying to right. find time was hard. I don't work a regular nine to five job per se. Yes, I have nine to five hours, but I, I work for a theater and if anybody out there listening has ever done theater, <laughs> you will know that theater is not normally run for the most part on nine to five hours. And so I have to stay late several nights. And I've also already had to work a couple of weekend events and I have some more coming up. So truly in, in going through this, Kelsey and I just realized we, right. we really don't want to like burn ourselves out to the point we can't do this anymore. So exactly. It means by doing it only twice a month, we're going to have more fun. And, and we really thank you for hanging out and understanding. It means the world to us. But we have more time to chat with you on our Discord. Yes. Which you can link to in the show notes. Come join us there, please. And like, we are reading ahead in the Discord. Like, in the Discord, we will have the chapter chunks out, like, a couple weeks ahead of what you're actually hearing. So like if you've read the whole book or you're reading faster than we're putting the episodes out, like that's fine. The discussion is there. We can go ahead and be discussing those things. The, the episodes just haven't come out yet. So like, don't think that you right. have to wait like two weeks to like come share your thoughts, like go in there and say whatever you please, whenever you please. <laughs> very true. Very, very, very true. And um, you know, we have a lot of fun things coming for you this spring as we approach year three, three, Kelsey. I know. <laughs> 
what? Yeah, we'll be entering year three in 2023. That's so crazy. <laughs> it, it is. And, you know, we are, we're having so much fun and we love doing this with you all and for you all. So, you know, thanks for sticking with us. Really, thank you. From and the bottom then, of my heart. Before I forget, because we were just talking about the Discord, this mm-hmm. week's Discord shout out is at Maydance575, who recently joined us and has been like super fast reading through like all of the SJM things and making like all of the comments and the different category, like the different books and all the things. So, like, shout out to you. <laughs> yes. She's actually somebody who I know personally, and I can vouch for how immensely, amazingly awesome she is. So when she hears this, she's going to get all embarrassed, I'm sure. But I love you, girly, so I'm so glad you're with us. Um, In other news, J.M. Wallace has just dropped the art for the third installment of her Claiming Elfheim series. This one is titled Heir of Starlight and Truth, and Kelsey and I are frantically trying to read it. I was going to say, which is like the other side, like, bar of this whole thing, where, like, Part of what was happening with our recording up to this point was, I mean, Kim reads like the speed of light, but she's obviously had to slow down with her job and everything else. Like I was starting to run into the problem that because I try to read like the next section of the chapter, then I reread to like take my notes and then we discuss and yada, yada. Like I wasn't getting to read hardly any other books that weren't <laughs> SJM. And I was trying to read some of these different arcs and I've been getting more requests to read and review more arcs and I didn't want to say no. So now we're excited to have some more time to read other things so that then we can tell you about other things. <laughs> yes. Yes. So definitely yeah. my, my job has definitely cut into my, my reading yeah. of yeah. other things. I've, I've slid way down. But on that note, we'll be reading, reviewing, and hopefully chatting with uh, J.M. Wallace again soon. And we'll make sure to share with you guys as soon as that book is available, like to the public. As soon as we know that and it's out there, we'll let you all know. Yes, yes, yes. Just a reminder yet again, this podcast is really not for little ears. Yeah, you know, in case you decided this intro was too long and you like skipped to this point. (laughs) Truly. In which case, if you did that, um, don't. Go back and listen because it's kind of important. So Kelsey, um, so chapter four gave you a lot of feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So chapter four starts out with uh, more like sitting at a table at the cafe, like on the riverfront. And, you know, that's all great and all. (laughs) And Cassian approaches and the first thing out of his mouth, because a whole bunch of people be doing the looky lose at him as he comes up, uh, is he's just like, don't start. And it's like, don't start which part of this? Like, you're going to tell more is like, oh, but now I am going to start. <laughs> like, what do you not want me to start? Because I will start that and everything else. It's like, dude, you, you set yourself up. Are you stupid? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This so, is this is definitely a Cassie and Himbo moment. Yeah, this is the moment where I was just like, God, this is how this chapter is about to go down, huh? Okay. So, um, because like being that girl, she's like, what? Like, I can't enjoy just like everybody fawning over my attractive friend. Bah! Like making it so fucking awkward. And she even goes as far, and this is where I'm like, I'm a huge fan of more. And then she says stuff like this, and I'm like, oh yeah, because you're fucking weird. She goes, I... I she goes, I seem to remember a time when you enjoyed that sort of thing, too. Y'all are like a million. I'm sure there are a lot of things in your past that you all enjoyed that you don't fucking enjoy now. 
But yeah, I was like, this is so fucking weird for her to like push it. Like it's one thing for him to be like, don't start. And she was like, well, now I have to, <laughs> you know, like that is like to me, I'm like, oh, that's funny. Okay. But then she keeps going. And I'm like, my dude, he said fucking don't like, don't be a dick. <laughs> I know. And he says like, I was a young, arrogant idiot. And he's just like trying to shut her down. Right. <sighs> well, then she decides to like, continue to just I don't know I don't know if she has foot and mouth I don't really understand and I guess that's what I'm saying about this whole chapter because I could go on for days but like who's got the time I'm sure there are plenty of other opportunities for me to question the entire like point of more character <laughs> but I don't really know what she's doing here because it's like did she come to this lunch to be an asshole or like does she think she's joking or like I don't I don't know what she's doing because then she kind of brings up Nesta where she's just like mm, so like is she all settled in and he's like, yeah, she's taking a nap. And then Moore snorts about it. And Cassian again is like, don't. And this time he's trying to tell her, I'm not kidding. Please don't. Right, right. And I just don't understand. I don't know. I don't understand their friendship. I don't understand any of it. Because if they're as close and have as much history as we are led to believe, how is this something that he has to like basically beg her to do and she can barely hold her end of the bargain up for the rest of the conversation. Okay. Have you ever had that friend who's like a sibling, but isn't. And you kind of have that kind of relationship with each other where even if it's a taboo topic, you like to poke at them. No. <laughs> and I do think that there's something to be said that that is a dynamic, particularly I think between like brother sister pairings um versus like that's really what they are though i mean for all you know for no, their... i know but i'm saying like i i can't relate to that i have a sister i the closest friends i have are mostly female the like one or two male friends i have that are very, i'm very close with like no that's not an issue like we like and i guess that's what i don't understand is to me like the male friends i have never would have had to say that to me because I would have been able to read by the look on their faces. They walked up to my table that today wasn't the fucking day. Okay. See, this is, I guess, where my benefit of having so many guy friends because for a long time, well, I had Well, I had a lot of, of guy friends. friends. I just don't have a lot of friends, period. Now, you know, COVID, motherhood, moving. <laughs> well, you all don't see the big pouty face I'm giving, are you all? <laughs> you and our buddy boy Matt okay <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway <laughs> but I will say you know I've I've still to this day like I realized recently I've got a lot of friends that I'm getting back in touch with sure. that I'm getting to see that I haven't seen in a long time and most of them are guys, not girls. Sure, like sure. the few girls that I'm really friends with, I've stayed friends with this whole time. It's sure. the guys that I'm getting back in touch with. But back when I talked to them and saw them all the time, we used to give each other shit like this all the time. So, yeah. And I think that probably does depend on friendship too. Um, like the way, the basis of your friendship. I, yeah. Like, I think as you're saying this, I am seeing uh, the pattern of people, like the male types of people I am mostly friends with. And they just, that's not something, like that's not what they needed in their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, 
that was not what I did. You know what I mean? So I, I think it just, I guess, like I said, I just, I think it's supposed to be the amount of time that they're supposed to know each other and stuff that I'm a little like, wow, the fact that you, can't. I guess it's what you and I have talked about briefly, like in the previous episode and even back in like Aquilar, like, I don't know how we were all sitting around being like, pins and needles, keep our mouth shut. Can we keep a secret about like Reese and Feyre? But we're like, Cassian, he couldn't possibly have a mate. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I think that's where my brain is like, I'm sorry, what is this relationship? But anyway, it's fine. She kind of tries to keep her mouth shut. She literally like is shoving food and drink in her face so that she won't say something stupid <laughs> or piss him off. Yeah. Um, but then that lasts like 37 seconds because then she's like, we'd be better off throwing Nesta into the court of nightmares. She'd thrive there. Yeah. Um, and I laughed hard I, every time I, I know, read that. Because it, it's funny, but it's so, abs- like, that's what I'm saying about how it's so absurd. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is, is just so absurd. Because Cassian even points out, nope, that's like what we're trying to prevent more. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then. Don't make it worse. <laughs> Like a moment of clarity she's finally like it pains you seeing her like this and i'm like jesus fucking christ where have you been bitch anyway as you can see i have i do have a lot of feelings about this chapter and i anyway that pretty much it sums it all up where have you been bitch pretty much sums it up <laughs> But anyway, uh, he says something that's like really heartbreaking. And then it's like, this is not fun anymore because he says all of it pains me. And it's just awkward. (laughs) Because he says all of it pains me. And like for a moment, we do get like in his head kind of, you know, you know, more like my relationship with more has been kind of this fuckery since the beginning, you know, and it's like, okay, I guess that's fair. But he says, you know, it pains me that Nesta has become this. It pains me that she and Feyre are always at each other's throats. It pains me that Feyre hurts over it. And I know Nesta does too. It pains me that, and then he just gives up what he was going to say and says, I really don't want to talk about it. And finally, she's just like, okay. <laughs> well, I think she really had to kind of be told from him, you know? Yeah, uh, I just think that this is at odds with the fact that she's the quote unquote fucking truth teller. <laughs> like, so she has to be told the truth before she can tell the truth. I would have thought there'd just be better. Um, you know, uh, I just really thought she'd be better at picking up vibes. <laughs> it's also possible. Hear me out. That if they're having a sibling type relationship, she is trying to purposely needle him to get him to admit things. Yeah, that's possible. It's just very interesting coming off of like last week's episode, coming into this, thinking about like different perspectives and that this is from his perspective. I think I would feel better about that almost from the outside. You know what I mean? 
like when we were reading everything from like Feyre's point of view, I think I probably, you're almost right. I would have taken it that way. I'd have been like, oh, look at the two of them doing what they do. You know what I mean? But hearing it from this side and knowing that in Cassian's head, this isn't a good time and he's not happy and like whatever she's trying to get out of him, it's not for a lack of feeling it or wanting better. It's just that he's not stupid and that saying it right now isn't going to make it better. You know what I mean? Right. No, I agree. I think that's what's hard is seeing it from his perspective and being like, no, this is actually not benefiting him. And this is like hurting his feelings and he doesn't want to be doing this right now. You know what I mean? I know. But yeah, it's just... Yeah. Luckily, she does drop it. And then we get this really weird, like, internal <laughs> monologue where he's like, yeah, like, you know, Moore and I slept together that one time, but it was just that one time. And like, now we're friends and we fight like this and we're basically siblings. And I can objectively say she hot, though. Okay. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I just had a conversation today about a mutual friend of mine and my husband's who has no problem just telling people that they're attractive and you're like that's nice like now we have that in the air thanks for that <laughs> i don't know i mean so now we get into okay i don't even know what to call this <laughs> now we get into i guess what more has been fucking up to right yeah like i guess that's what we'll call it like what she's been up to which is the political i don't even know if i'd call this an info dump because it's not really an info dump but it just feels like a lot of words (laughs) to say things are happening (laughs) and things aren't happening and things aren't happening yeah yeah so essentially what happens is Cassian opens this conversation up realizing that he's now been in his head thinking about all of this like too much and more is only going to be able to hold off so long before she says another thing that's bizarre. So he's like, so like, tell me what happened, you know, in Valhan. And she's like, oh, you know, they don't want to sign a new treaty. And you're like, you know, as the reader, you're like, oh right like that's kind of what we're doing i forgot because you know frost and starlight was not about that and we all kind of forgot what was happening (laughs) right so we're like oh Oh, yeah the whole war thing right we're like oh yeah okay okay so new treaty is required got it got it and essentially, you know, they, so what Moore is saying is they don't want to sign it. And in Cassian's head, we're getting kind of the background of that, which is, you know, recent Feyre and Amran had spent like months and months and months working on this treaty, trying to work with all of their allies. Like Helian had been working on it. Like everybody had like put their whole ass into it. Nobody half-assed. This was whole ass work. And <laughs> basically it's going nowhere. Moore's like, I have spent weeks, like, freezing my ass off, trying to get these people, like, on my side, kissing ass, doing everything I can, being like, please, for the love of all that is holy, sign this fucking thing. And basically, at the end of the whole thing, she's not even super welcome there. And it just didn't, (laughs) didn't go as planned. Right. And so Cassian's like, okay, but like, do we know why? You know, like, okay, got it. Like, so no signy, but why no signy? 
Right. And <laughs> it's because of those stupid human queens. Thank you. Because reading They're it made me back. laugh. <laughs> yeah. They're because again, so it's like as the reader, you're like, oh, I fucking forgot about them too. <laughs> like I've been so busy thinking. Like how- I was gonna say it's like the whole hi honey I'm home it is it is it's like oh yeah I fucking forgot about that so basically yeah the stupid human queens are stirring shit up and at the end of the day uh Valahan has basically decided that "Mm, maybe they're not even for peace let alone like allying with these people you know what I mean they're like "Mm, no fuck it maybe we can use this to our advantage like if everything turns into you know essentially for their perspective, you know, like World War Three, then maybe they can come out on top or, you know, make some gains. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically like the long story short of it. And essentially Cassian in his head thinks about how like this, this scenario, if, you know, everybody actually deciding that they're not interested in peace and wanting to go into basically, you know, like World War Three over it to like try to gain territories and, you know, play, you know, king of the universe. This is kind of the thing that they were most afraid of with Highburn and with like the war that just happened, they just kind of hoped it wasn't going to get this far. They kind of hoped that everybody would be so over everything that had just happened under the mountain. And then, you know, that was going to unite, you know, those courts. And then those courts and all these people, because of the thing with Highburn, would just sign because everybody would just be tired of all of this. But apparently people ain't so tired. No, no, they're not. And Cassian's like, so have you told... points out something really valid because she's like, look, you know, they're bored. Right. And going to the land is low-hanging fruit. And the problem is, is it's not just Balahan, but Monasar and Rask are also kind of having the same thought. And the queens, while they're strong and stirring shit up, are they're not really helping their people. They're actually kind of making them targets and turning them into sitting ducks. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's my take on it from what I'm reading. I mean, no, that makes that is pretty much I think what yeah. No, I think that is what we're supposed to get from it because Moore's just like, yeah, basically, uh, you know, Valahan's stirring something up, everybody's stirring something up. We just can't no like I haven't been able to figure out what, like we don't know why the humans would be stupid enough to start a war they can't win. We don't know like what we don't know what the the human queens have like sold everybody on. Exactly. You know what I mean? We don't we Which, don't know what they're saying. We don't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we can't get into their damn castle. Right. And that's and that's even what some something Cassian says where he's like, Yeah, and that means that if they think that they're gonna start a war and they think that they could win, then they have something in their arsenal that could grant them advantage. Like they have something that we are not considering. And that's when Moore is like, that's what you have to find out. And all of us are like, I'm sorry. I forgot that we're on this train. What is Az doing right now? I think poor Az is still trying to get his ass into the Queen's <laughs> castle and some of the other stuff. I guess so. But poor Cassian's like, oh yeah, I forgot. This is my this my circus. Those my monkeys. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, no pressure though. <laughs> yeah, though, I mean, Moore's great because she's like, you won't get near the human queens, but from what I have observed in Valahan, I know they're up to something, planning something. We just can't figure out what or why the humans would be stupid enough to start a war they cannot win. 
Yeah. And you gotta wonder about that. Yeah, I don't know what the queen sold them on. <laughs> okay, but it's not even that. I mean, all right, let's put it in, in modern. It would be like Ethiopia trying to pick a fight with Russia. Right, right. It's like, what? And it's not that Ethiopia doesn't have things to fight with and, and weapons and all of that in the smarts. But let's face it, they are no match for the war yeah. machine that Russia has. Right. And that's really what... Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so Cassian's like, great, so like, now what's the procedure? Like, I'm I'm supposed to fit, like, I'm supposed to put two and two together? This, this, this is me now? <laughs> and uh, we realize... You know, Cassian's not as dumb as he thinks. You know, there's one person who knows those queens inside and out who could offer some insight. And Moore's like, oh. Yeah. The firebird. And it's just super awkward because then Moore's just like, yeah, she might be able to help. And it's like, might be able to. This is a genius plan. Please give this man some credit. True. Anyway, they kind of go... I don't know. Well, I like how he's like, well, Lucian is living with Vasa and Jurian. He's supposed to be our emissary to the human lands. Let him deal with it. Yeah, which was also entirely my thought. And this was also the moment where I was like, so what has Lucian been doing? See, this is what I'm saying about, like, this whole change in perspective. We spent so much time, like, up Feyre and Reese's ass that I kind of forgot that everybody else like, you know, had daily goings on. <laughs> well, not only that, but remember Feyre is sympathetic towards Lucian. Right. Neither Cassian nor Moore are. Right. But I was still thought that, you know, as the emissary for them, they would be more aware of what the fuck he's been up to lately. But the fact that more than comes back and says, but Lucian can't be trusted entirely anymore. Talk about some red flags. Yeah. Okay. This whole thing is so fucking irritating to me. And this is what I'm saying, where everything more says make me go, huh? Like, huh? because she says that. Apparently. And I'm like, okay, well, y'all weren't his biggest fan to begin with. And he ain't your biggest fan. So like, fine. Rivals be rivals. It is what it is. But even Cassian but looks at her and goes, What? and her whole her whole thing is as well you know he's voluntarily living with Vasa and Jurian who are you know and the unspoken part is who are human because he's their friend and I'm like right messed up i can't even jurian proved time and time again that he was on your side yeah he always has been and vasa's certainly sure as shit isn't gonna be on the side of the queens right so like what the fuck is this yeah what has Lucian really done to make you feel like you can't trust him? I mean, truly. 
Yeah, it really makes no sense. And she does kind of get in his head because Cassian ends up being like, mm, so Lucian can't be unbiased or reporting to us on Vasa because like he's friends with her and she may somehow in some convoluted fucking backwass way like benefit from human war. I, I, I don't even know. Part of me thinks Cassian doesn't even really think this, but he just realized there was like nowhere to go with this conversation. He was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. I sort of see what you're saying. I don't uh, care or agree with you, but okay. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I don't know. Well, because then Moore tries to backtrack and it's so fucking weird. She's like, you know, Lucian may mean well, but any reports would be skewed. Even if he isn't aware of it, you think he would be skewing the information like in their favor. And I'm like, my bitch, again, I do not understand you because by that, by that logic, how did anybody get on the fucking night court train in Akawar? Why did anybody trust your ass, trust Reese, trust any of you? Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It's fine. I don't understand what the hell we're doing here. Uh, Cassian doesn't really understand what the hell we're doing here because he's like, I'm sorry, wait a minute, like, let me backtrack. So what we're saying here is nobody has bothered up until this point to contact Vasa. Like, me saying this right now, spitballing, is truly the first fucking time we're going up with this. And Moore's just like, yeah, I mean, we were just kind of like starting, you know, piecing it together. So yeah, that's fine. Like, if this is your plan, go with it. Like, just go do it. That works. And yeah, it, it just feels weird. He just nods and he like mentally notes that like he doesn't dislike Vasa and like he's not like Lucian or Jurian's biggest fan, but like he's not stupid enough to like think that they're enemies. You know what I mean? Right. He's like, there's a difference between me being like, I don't fucking like Jurian and not trusting Jurian. You know what I mean? <laughs> I trust him. I don't fucking like him. Fair. Fair. I mean, he doesn't really like Lucian either. Right. But he's like, but I've learned to live with that. <laughs> and I guess that's why I'm kind of confused. Because I'm like, so what did Jurian do to you? I fucking I, you I don't fucking, guys, I don't fucking know. I don't understand the Jurian port storyline, like, at like the more I think about it, the less I understand why everybody is so mad at a guy who fucking died and got his eyeball put in a ring. Like he's not Amarantha. Amarantha put his fucking eyeball in a ring. And again, he has proven time and time and time again that he is against whatever it was Highburn wanted. He is against right. whatever the other queens want and he's played them. Right. The problem is that they now know that. Yeah, the super fucking weird part of this to me is that this is a perfect example of people tend to not like people who are very similar to themselves. Yeah. I would agree. And uh, it's just it's just a struggle it's just a thing that happens and i think what we're seeing here is the inner circle cannot handle and like we won't get to it in this episode but next episode with like chapter seven we will absolutely go off on a whole diatribe about it 
what we're seeing here is the inner circle cannot handle that there's another group of people who is basically capable of the same planning and manipulation that they are. Exactly. <laughs> That's really what it is. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, they literally cannot handle the idea that there's another tight knit group out there who's probably about as smart as that. The only difference is they are not as powerful, but they are probably as smart and as capable for the most part, just minus the sheer amount of like, you know, magic system and money and power. But yeah, that's what I I agree. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know fucking thing. Uh, I think Cassian doesn't play into that nearly as much as more does because well, I Cassian, you know, essentially represents like coming from the slums. Now we hear. So (laughs) not only that. All right. So here's the thing though, is is Lucian is Eris's brother. And no matter what you do or say about it, the fact of the matter is is she hates Eris. So anyone who has (sighs) any kind of a connection to Eris is going to be, she's not going to be able to deal with them in a, in a unbiased way fair which is i think playing into this huge because cassian even ends this conversation kind of being like like he's about to go and he's like look like i miss you you know like you haven't been around much and she's just kind of like mm, yeah and he says you know we'd warn you if kier ever came here and she admits like eris bought her time right not happy about it but she yeah. admits it She's like totally disgusted by it, but essentially somehow, and we don't really know the details, somehow some sway that Eris had over Kier, he did something to get Kier not to visit Valaris, at least for now. Exactly. Which is... To, uh, go over to the discord and uh, we will put in there the really cool fan theory that Kim and I came across. And now every time I read something like this, I'm like, yeah, buddy, that's fucking accurate. <laughs> People be geniuses. Um, <laughs> anyway, she tries to blow it off and be like, mm, it doesn't matter. Like he can come here if he wants. And Cassian just kind of rolls his eyes like, gives her a little, you know, forehead kiss. And it's like, yep, yep. Like you get some rest. I'm out of here. Um, also, like I said, nothing about, none of those conversations made any goddamn sense to me, but here we are. We right. get a snowflake. <laughs> and we're and, back to Nesta. Yeah. And it's Nesta. We get some more nightmares, guys. They have not gone away. <laughs> well, and the poor thing. I mean, as, as yeah. she says, she wakes up in pure darkness. Um, darkness that she had not witnessed in years since that ramshackle cottage that had become a prison and a hell. So, okay, here's my question. Years? You mean a year? Maybe? It's only been just over a year since she lived in that cottage. Um, How long were they in the manor? I guess, yeah, not very long. No, something about this timeline is all jacked, though, because I noticed that Cassian, I don't think it's in this section. I think it's in chapter seven for next episode. I can't remember. We'll come across and we figure out where I highlighted it. But Cassian says something janky like that, too, almost alluding to the fact that it's been like a full year since 
like over a year since Akawar ended. Which would put the timeline at two and a half, almost three years. Which, I mean, is still drama to be like, I haven't seen this darkness in two years. (laughs) But. (laughs) Yeah, we're all at almost three years. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I had to sit down and think my way through the storyline. Yeah, so I know that feels weird to me. It feels super weird to me to be that far removed from Frost and Starlight. But 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 we're not. Right. I mean, but again, well, but we are. No, and we, we are. are. We mean, must be. We're. We talked about this. There's yeah. a nine month gap. Well, right, but if you think about that, that's almost a year, and Frost and Starlight isn't ten minutes after Akawar either. Frost and Starlight is three months after Akawar, two to three months after Akawar. Yeah, it takes so it's place been basically a full year Christmas. since Akawar ended. Right. And it takes place at Christmas. Yeah. And then we jump from where that is at Christmas yeah. slash New Year's to September. Yeah. So that's what I mean. So that is crazy. Because if you think about Akawar is a decent chunk of time compared to um the first two like like we talked about that at nauseum about how akatar all of the events of akatar happen so fast when you really think of like the grand scheme of a timeline uh akamath is a little longer akawar is even a little longer then we have a three-month gap until so yeah point is is yeah i still she's being full of drama it's been years it's been like two chill um two and a half yeah yeah, but she wakes up totally jolted, like, nightmare, nightmare town. Like, we are flashbacking yeah. to, like, Feyre waking up from nightmares, or Reese, or Tamlin, or any of them. Like, bitch has nightmares. And it takes her a second to realize, like, where she is and what's happening. And she's, like, the air in the room was toasty. She's the lone person in the bed. Like, she's not with her sister. She's not in the cottage. It's taking her a second to, like, put it all together. And she finally just slides out of bed and she's, like, walking to the window. And when she opens up the curtains, she sees the city below and it's all lit up and... She sees, you know, the the twinkling lights of the Sidra. She's scanning the sky. She's, you know, this is really the first time she's taking in, like, the landscape, so to say, you know, so to speak. And not just taking in, but really seeing it for what it is and not for, it's like she's being a prisoner. Like, she's really looking at it really, truly for the first time. And she just kind of takes that in for a minute, you know, uh, kind of removed from herself. But then she does start really actually thinking through like, well, how long have I been asleep? And like her stomach's growling and she's ignoring it. And she ends up just kind of looking out the window, but not seeing anymore. And she's thinking about her mom and she's remembering how her mom used to like stroke her and say, you know, like my Nesta Elaine shall wed for love and beauty, but you, my cunning little queen, you shall wed for conquest. That's not going to fuck somebody up. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And when that's like the first big uh, nod, I think to, you know, how, like almost how easy it is. Okay. Almost how easy it is how to screw up your kids. Um, (laughs) But more than Step that, one. yeah, 
Yeah, right? Here is the guide of things not to say to your children. Uh, all of them said by their mother. But it's it just, it gives you that look at, you know, what I've said all along, which is I think uh, their age order plays a huge role into their personalities. And I think age order of the readers also plays a huge role into how they perceive the sisters. I agree. And I think it's just, I, this to me, when I read that, I was like, this just gives big, like, yeah, she's the oldest sister. She's supposed to, ha- like, basically she's supposed to handle it. Right. And I guess, so here's the difference where being an only child, I get all three sisters' points of sure. view. Because I've had those experiences, unlike... I mean, you know, there are times I am the middle child. There, there are fewer and far in between, but there are definitely those times. But at the same time, I'm definitely the oldest, but I'm also the youngest. And it's kind of a weird position right. to be in. So, I, I, but I do agree. I mean, I've done some reading on birth order and some yeah. other stuff. And, and this definitely. Yeah, this really read to me as, yeah, like this is this is uh, mothers to or just families in general, the pressure they put on eldest daughter to be uh, the one who's going to take care of everybody. And that and you realize that that is part of exactly why she is handling all of this the way that she is, i.e. like not handling it. And it's because she's like basically entrapped like it's that whole thing they say about kids you know how like sometimes like you could tell a kid you could yell at a kid for getting like a c on a test but for some kids they are gonna beat themselves up so much for getting that c that like there is nothing you could say that could be worse than what they're saying to themselves that's what nesta is living (laughs) right now there is nothing anybody could actually do to her that is worse than the shit going on in her own head exactly exactly and she is like remembering this and it's just like playing over in her head. And she then is thinking from that, that like her mother would be rolling in her grave if she knew that, you know, prior <laughs> to all of the events of like Akamath and Akawar, she had planned to marry that, God, what was his name? Uh, Thomas Mandrake, is that his name? Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Mandrake, I don't Something know. like that. Yeah, that asshole. Yeah, that she was like this close to marrying that asshole, as she describes, uh, had come dangerously close to marrying a weak-willed woodcutter's son who had sat idly by while his father beat his mother, who had put his hands on her when she called things off between them, who had then attempted to take what she hadn't offered. And that's like the first like actual reference to that that we get. Like, we know something janky ass had happened. Because Feyre was like, mm, she didn't end up marrying him after all. And she acts fucking weird when I bring it up. But like, we didn't, we didn't really know why. Well, yeah, I mean, again, we're not there to see that, that fallout. And so not only has everything that is, us. yeah, not only has everything that is Akamath and Akawar and, you know, Frost and Starlight happened to them, right? Like, not only has she become Faye, not only did she, like, not marry that guy, but, like, he also tried to rape her. So that's great. And she has the trauma of that memory playing over and over and over in her head, 
but not just the trauma from that experience, but overlaid with her mother's words in her head. Yep. So somehow... This poor girl is so fucked up. So she's not just the victim of a fucking crime. She's also feeling like somehow she has let her dead mother down. Well, but not only, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy, horrific form of emotional and psychological abuse. I mean, this poor girl is used in ways that nobody else knows because she's the oldest. And of course she, she wouldn't say anything because she's going to protect her younger sisters. Right. And that's the thing as she remembers in her head, my Nesta, my little queen. And this was something that she heard her mother say all of the time, all the way up until she died. And like when she was little, that was like a compliment. And by the end, it was just like the most sickening thing. Right. And it, it, I mean, it also comes down to like, so when they did lose all their money and they lost everything, It, it became a curse for her. It did not help her in any way because her mother, her mother raised her and set her up in such a way that she was never going to be able to be the person her mother made her to be. And so then what's interesting is having read the books from Favor's perspective and now reading it from Nessa's perspective, they both use the wolf analogy, but differently. Right. Because now Nesta, in her mind, has said, you know, so Nesta became a wolf, armed herself with invisible teeth and claws, and learned to strike faster, deeper, and more lethally, had relished it. But when the time came to put away the wolf, she'd found it had devoured her, too. Mm. And that's, like, why she is, like, so cunning, so observant, and so mean. Because yeah. she she's not gonna she's not gonna you know be able to you know raise her hands and you know beat the shit out of somebody. She's not Feyre. She's not gonna go. She ain't got you know a plus archery skills. You know right. she's not. She doesn't have some sort of usable you know sellable you know woodworking skill or something like that. You know what I mean? So when they ended up in the situation they ended up in other than basically trying to like spend all day every day pushing her dad's buttons to try to get him to fucking do something she didn't have the skill set to do anything i mean and she's the kind of person who god forbid if she wanted to become something like a lawyer i mean could you imagine what she would do to you in a courtroom i know i know she'd be a lot she would eviscerate you she would but but she has no idea because this is also a skill set that outside of her mother nobody is ever gonna recognize or even you know like everybody's gonna look at it as a a downside nobody's gonna be like hey she's really good at convincing people to do xyz she's really good at you know pushing buttons she's really good at you know observing and figuring out what buttons to push but nobody sees that as a pro they see it as a con you know what i mean Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, the whole comment about, and and I think the only person who actually does see it is Cassian, because the whole comment that Moore makes about, well, we should just send her to the Court of Nightmares and thrive there. Well, yeah, she would. But the person she would become 
is what they're trying to stop her from becoming. Exactly. And this description that she just gives you of everything yeah. she's experienced, I mean, yes, she would. She would thrive in the Court of Nightmares. But, I mean, she would make Amarantha look like yeah. a peach. Yeah, exactly. And so, I just, yeah, I think it's just, I don't know. I thought that was really eye-opening and interesting how, like, they both used the wolf. Um, but then we get a snowflake. And Cassian is having regerts. <laughs> poor guy he's like maybe yeah he got he's full of regrets he's like maybe i should not have agreed to this fuckery and brought her here and we find that he's like woken up to the sound of the door shutting and you know that's just how he is he's gonna bolt up right he's gonna be armed it's gonna take him a second to figure out exactly what's happening and <laughs> he realizes that like it's as right like it's like wait a minute wait a minute there's somebody else in this house <laughs> all right can i but can i point out the funniest thing about this this we know he's awake we know he's alert okay we know he's gonna be ready to fight but it's this part that just cracked my ass up he'd been instantly alert and he pulled free the knife he kept on the nightstand. Two more were hidden under his mattress, another set above the doorway, and two swords lay beneath the bed and in a dresser drawer, respectively. I know, but I also love... I know, but I also love that he's like, let's be real, this whole place is a fucking arsenal. Like, between me as Reese Moore, we've all lived here at some point, we've all been storing shit places, is wild. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, he's sitting here and he can instantaneously tell you exactly where all the weapons are that he can quickly get his hands on. That doesn't count anything else. That's just those. Yeah. I I just find it. It is funny. It's very funny. And then he talks about the ones like, yeah, so the ones I keep in my room, those I keep oiled and clean. Yeah. Yeah. But he does ultimately come to the realization that it's as and not somebody breaching their wards because he does momentarily panic, remembering that, you know, back in ye day, you know, not so long ago, uh, the Hybern soldiers had managed to, like, break through the wards and basically, you know, were terrorizing Feyre and Nesta in the library. And he just remembers the look on Nesta's face when they got to them. And so, like... For a minute, he's panicked, and then he realizes as, and he realizes like as specifically was loud as fuck coming in, <laughs> so that he would hear him and know he was there. Ding 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 ding. And then we get the fuck. Okay, I'm sorry. This is so fucking weird. Then we get our mental text messaging. Pad. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird. It's recent Cassie at this time, which is just not what I, 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 whatever. It's fine. And it's like, why are you up so late? I have the same question for you. Where, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> and, uh, Reese, uh, I, this is when I'm like, you know what? The only thing worse than dudes is dudes being with other dudes, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Because then they just start down this the conversation where I'm like, this is not cute. This is not cute. Uh, Reese is basically like, I told you I had a lot of fucking of my wife to do. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he basically says that. <laughs> and Cassian's just 
like, oh my god, let her sleep. Like, it is just fucking uncomfortable. Uh, Cassian's like, well, why are you snooping on me? Like, what are we doing? And he's like, you know, I'm just checking in. Like, everything okay? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, Nesta went to sleep and, you know, I guess she's still asleep. And Reese is being an asshole. He's like, well, you guys got there before 11. Like, she's still asleep. That's like 15. Like, it's three in the morning. Like, everybody leave this poor bitch alone. For all you know, she's in there having a grand old time doing, I don't know, whatever the fuck she do. Like, leave this poor bitch alone. But it's the whole, you know, I mean, Cassian's like, look, just don't butt in. And let's let's think about this. Had it been Farah, when Farah was going through this. Reese would have been, like, ready to rip people's heads off. Right. Which is why I don't understand why we don't give Cassian any fucking space. Like, is everybody an idiot? Is Feyre the only one who has figured this out? Maybe? I sort of get the feeling that Feyre's the only fucking one. But anyway, I don't know. Everybody's an idiot. Ultimately, Reese finally realizes, maybe I will not poke the sleeping bear that is Cassian. And he just says, you know, more will bring you guys up to Windhaven. Good night. You know, have a good, have a good sleep. But I just like how Cassian is before before the chapter ends, right before ending. Yeah, tomorrow will be tomorrow will be a battlefield unlike any other he'd ever walked onto. And I'm like, there's a mental image. I know, right? Bum, bum, bum. What a time! What a fucking time! But that is the end of the chapter. I know. In chapter five, it's just a fucking treat. <laughs> It pretty much can be summed up with, I don't want to eat that. (laughs) You'll be sorry if you don't. (laughs) But I don't want (laughs) to. He's like, well, it's that or nothing. (laughs) I'll eat toast. There is no toast. We've pretty much acted out the whole scene for you now. And then he's like, put milk in it if you need to make it palatable. And of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about porridge. Which, yeah. okay. I don't want to eat that. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's the deal. Okay. I don't know what kind of porridge they have, but it's, it's like, I, I try to imagine it like oatmeal. And I got to tell you, if it's like anything like the oatmeal I had when I was in the hospital before and after I had my child. And they fed me their wallpaper paste of an oatmeal. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. It really is. Like my husband and my few friends who actually saw it the, the few times that I actually ended up getting it before I could convince them that there's got to be something else I could eat. Right. They literally made it. They made it into the consistency of wallpaper paste. It was like that or paper mache. And yeah. I'm a texture person, guys. Yeah. I literally looked at it and gagged. There was, yeah. like, no way that was even going down into my belly. I was like, uh, no. New food. Please, well, now. And this is a whole weird fucking thing to me. Because, like, yeah, she basically says what you said, which is, like, no, fucking do something to this. And he's like, well, there's milk over there. And she's looking to see if there's, like, any sugar, which, like, conceivably there would be for, like, coffee, tea, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, there's no sugar. And she's like, what? As fucking punishment? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. 
and yes, it's a fast energy, but Jesus Christ, let her have some flavor. I know. He goes into this whole thing where he's like, it'll give you energy for a short blast and it'll make you crash. And it just made me think of every fucking trainer at the gym who like manages to get a client for a minute and a half. And then that client's like, fuck you. I pay you. Get out of my face. You know what I mean? It was very, it's a very weird take. I don't know why he thought this is how he wanted to start his morning. And he's all like, you know, whole grains and fruits and vegetables. And I'm like, all right, dude, but there isn't even fucking fruit here for her. Okay, but like, forget that. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't we just fucking disclose yesterday that he's going to like start off easy? We're only going to spend like two hours training. I'm pretty fucking sure that there were days I went to the gym for a solid two or three hours and hadn't eaten since yesterday. And I fucking survived. Right. Like, I'm not saying that she can permanently do this, but for her first fucking day of training, if all the bitch wants to eat is a piece of toast and some fucking tea, shut up. Yeah, I agree. Like, I do not understand this take. I do not know why Cassian woke up and was like, I'm gonna be an asshole this morning so that when she's an asshole, I can be an asshole back and then she will eat me alive. (laughs) Like, what? Yeah, so I don't know. Everybody woke up with their stupid plans today. And (laughs) she even says, like, are there any areas of my daily life that you're not, like, going to be presiding over? Like, are you just, like, is this my fucking life now? You just going to be up my ass? (laughs) Not only that, I mean, he has eggs. She only has porridge. The fuck? Yeah, I just, none of this makes any sense to me. Uh, it's amazing because he's being an asshole about it and he tells her to eat and she does, um, like shove her spoon into the bowl and then she doesn't lift it. And all I could think was, oh, wow, Nesta's being nice because Feyre, as we know from the beginning of Akamath, would have fucking tossed it at you. Yeah. So that's Um, amazing. I'll be honest, I would have tossed it, so. Ain't that the truth? So anyway, we reiterate. I, I imagine it like that wallpaper paste yeah. that I was fed. Yeah. People would be wearing it. Yeah. It, ultimately, I give her credit. She doesn't toss anything. She just asks, like, how long they're going to train today, which, like I said, fair fucking question, because she's like, are you, like, am I never eating again? Is that what you're not telling me? Uh, and he's like, no, like, we're going to train for, like, two hours right up until lunch. Uh, which will be the next time we eat. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're going to eat again at lunch. Like, stop acting like she ain't ever eating again. This is ridiculous. And she literally just tells him, one, I'm not participating in this lesson. And two, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, wow, that was like the nicest way you could have handled that truthfully. Like, Nesta, we give you a lot of shit, but honestly, you're doing very well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know she wanted to tell him, fuck you. Um, yeah, I really don't know. Like, Cassian went to bed and some dumbass woke up in his place. <laughs> because then I he- love my Cassian, but the hell, man. Yeah, he says, not eating won't bring your father back. I'm sorry, you're going to have to listen to us be in, like, dead silence for a second while we just stare at each other, because what? We're not just staring at each other, we're both holding our head, like, the hell? That whole, I'm going to beat my head into my table because 
<sighs> yeah, this is the fucking weirdest take he could have ever picked for this fucking morning. And she's like, this that has nothing to do with this. Nothing. And I mean, I mean, it probably does a little bit, but like not really. And like, this is such a fucking weird take to have. And he says, <laughs> and I quote, we're going to cut the bullshit. You think I haven't gone through what you're dealing with? Um, no, sir, we don't. You think I haven't seen and done and felt all that before and seen those I love deal with it too? You aren't the first and you won't be the last. What happened to your father was terrible, Nesta, but again, um, I don't know what fucking idiot woke up in Cassian's place because last I checked, he was afraid of this bitch a little bit and her powers we know nothing about. And she stands up and says, you don't know anything. You keep your fucking opinions to yourself. And the fact that like, we are lucky that she didn't like pull a Feyre and start like burning the table. Like, do we not remember what happened when Feyre had no control over her fucking powers and was just an angry little bitch? Yeah. Like, why do you yeah. think that Nesta won't just fucking smite you where you stand? I don't understand. He's all like, who taught you to curse? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't know what the ha- what's happening there either. I know. What a we again, what a weird fucking take. Cassian went to sleep and some weird dumbass showed up in his place. <laughs> it's like invasion of the body snatchers, man. Yeah, but then somehow this whole thing goes sideways and like I said, this is just the weirdest meal, okay? Because then she's like, "You lie. You have the filthiest mouths I've ever heard." <laughs> And then he says... And Cassian's kind of amused. Yeah. He says he'll keep his opinions to himself if she eats. And lo and fucking behold, she does. And I have no idea why. Me either. I do not... I swear to God that she's been wearing it. I do not understand what just happened. I do not understand... I do not understand. But she swallows some food and shoves it down her throat so that she can have the last word that is fucking beautiful. (laughs) And she says, I look forward to your silence. Which is just... And then he decides to provoke her because he's like, well, I'm glad to see you woke up to play. Yeah. I... I, 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 I feel like what we missed here was like, when we got that fucking like uh, chapter break, what we missed was, <laughs> what we missed was Reese was like, good night, Cassie, and have a nice sleep. And Cassie was like, wait, 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 bro. Um, what did you do when Feyre was a fucking nightmare and couldn't get her shit together? And he was like, oh, uh, I just like tried to keep her talking, you know, like I just would like poke little fun at her and. You know, we'd like play little little word games and eventually she started to open up to me and Cassian somehow was like, oh, so wake up and be a dick and maybe she'll talk to me. Apparently. I mean. Something about this went sideways as fuck. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah. I, I yeah, but like matey mate shit be matey matey because like I said, for some fucking reason she listens to him and she ate and she shut him up and she's like, okay, now shut up, asshole. And he was like, glad to see you woke up ready to play. And she like acknowledges that she, like there's a weird moment where she's like, 
basically she wants to have him for breakfast in a very sexual way. It's the only way I can describe it. Like I said, this gets spicy really fast and I forgot. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. I I read. Okay. Hear me out, Kim. Swear to God, when we were doing our reread for Aquawar, I was very heavily like, oh my God, I forgot. I actually fucking love them. You know what I mean? Like I fucking actually love their weird ass little fucking whatever. And so I was like, okay. So I like went through and like really highlighted, like really tried to nab every weird little like Nessian bit I could get just because I was trying to track like how and when this was developing and like what Feyre was catching, right? Right, right, right. Well, I guess I guess Feyre missed this. <laughs> I guess Feyre wasn't there to witness this part because I read it and I was like, I'm sorry. Hold on. What? And I like read it again and I was like, mm, nope, pretty sure I'd remember that. And then I read it like a third time and I was like, I really think I'd remember this. Um, you never read the bonus chapter. <laughs> notes for this chapter and i have a note right here that says oh wait a minute other people read this just not me help us find the chapters oh where should i look okay i'll look there and like everybody pointed me in the right place like seven times but did i ever go and fucking read them no i did not and i think it's because i I didn't Okay, well, in fairness, it's because every time I went to read them, I realized I, like, in my brain for, like, the analysis of how this is going, I kind of just wanted to read it as it read on the page, not, like, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, it it wasn't included Uh in my version. So I wanted to read, how does it fucking read in my version? And then, in theory, I was going to go back and then read the bonus chapters and see if that changed perception of things. But, you know, then we were doing fucking like everything else you know we were doing frost and starlight and then we were in crescent city and jesus christ there was no way during crescent city that my brain was like oh i'm gonna go back there (laughs) i was at my brain was struggling enough as it was (laughs) fair totally fair but yeah so in case you're also like what the fuck are they talking about because you also did not have the version with the bones chapter so you were like what is this bitch talking about we are only in chapter five i mean this isn't like that spicy but i was still like wow you're right this does fucking pick up fast Mm, she couldn't told you (laughs) she couldn't help the thundering of her heart at that voice the challenge in his eyes the nearness and size of him okay fine that's fine had never been able to help it Okay, like, that's nice. Had once let him nuzzle and lick at her throat because of it. Nope, definitely would have remembered that. Uh, (laughs) Definitely would have highlighted that. Uh, Had let him kiss her during the final battle because of it. Barely a kiss about all all he could manage in his injured state. And yet it had shattered her entirely. And this is the quote that I'm like, yeah, this I know. Because this quote, I just, I loved it in Akawar. And we get it again here. I have no regrets in this life but this, that we did not have time. That I did not have time with you, Nesta. I will find you again in the next world, the next life. And we will have that time, I promise. 
And she remembers that moment. Like we find, you know, over and over and over again, that plays over in her head, which like fair, because it is such a weird, like deathbed confession for somebody who didn't fucking die. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Like that's a fucking lot. And so she says like, she does like remember it in like, it's kind of one of those like uh, sweet, but it hurts moments. You know what I mean? Like she, it's, she's struggling with it. Um, but she does remember like how like their kiss was and all of that. And I'm still like stuck back three paragraphs back where I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that you're caught up on the sweet little thing he said and your fucking like first last kiss, but I'm still struggling with what the fuck was the scenario like now i have to go find this chapter because what the fuck was the scenario that you two were like "Mm, we barely talk we barely fucking tolerate each other i'm weird i'm awkward as fuck i'm not gonna kiss you though we're not gonna actually make out i'm just gonna lick your fucking neck what is happening like what the fuck are we doing like i cannot what was the fucking scenario? Kim, don't tell me. I'm going to go find it before next episode because I should have done it before this episode. But instead, I wanted to rant about how I don't have the bonus chapter. So now we all have to suffer. I went, nobody can see is I'm literally biting my tongue. <laughs> she does this rant. I'm just like looking at her like, um. I'm like, don't fucking tell me. <laughs> I want to be surprised. Am I? Is it going to make sense, Kim? Is it though? Like when I read it, am I going to be like, oh, this makes sense? Or am I going to read it and be like, this is weird? (laughs) It'll make sense. Okay. It definitely has its weird moments, but it'll make sense. All right. I'll hold you to that. Uh (laughs) Anyway, the reason this all happened, we kind of forgot to mention, because when he said that weird fucking thing about like, I'm glad you came to play, he had stopped her like physically with his hand, like on her upper arm or whatever. And so now they're like still standing there doing this little back and forth. And she said, don't you ever put your hands on me again. And he just says noted. (laughs) Um, this though is like why I love her because then she like, can't let that go. Right. Like most of us would be like, Like most of us, if we had made it this far in the conversation, would have left the room and then done like little mental claps and gymnastics for ourselves. Like, ooh, I got the last word. I said the thing. I looked past. (laughs) But she instead turns around and keeps going. And like the rest of us don't have like the, like, I don't know. Like I ain't got this in me, I don't think. She says, if you think this training nonsense is going to result in you climbing into my bed, you're delusional. I'd I'd sooner let in a mangy street dog. But then, like, they're just so well paired because then he's like, oh, it's not going to result in me climbing into your bed. It's going to result in, like, you climbing into mine. And she's like, "Mm, probs not. And he's like, we'll see. And I'm just like, wow, this is a lot. And I'm really mad that nobody is witnessing this. Like... I'm really mad that like we as the readers are the only one witnessing this because I'm sorry. It would be so funny for Amron to be in the corner going. (laughs) (laughs) Rain that scent of yours in boy. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I just really want, you know, that awful situation where somebody is like really offended by other people vomiting. And so then it just turns into like one person vomiting the other person being like, Oh, here I'll, I'll, I'll help you. 
like swing off each other. They'd be like, that's, oh, oh God, they're still talking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which would only be made better if, it would only be made better if Feyre was like, oh my God, guys, no, it gets worse. Reese, show them in their minds. That one time when he's like, okay, I'm sorry. My bonus chapter is funnier. Anyway. <laughs> okay, good times, good times. We, yeah, we make it through this conversation, and uh, they're both, like, biting tongues before, yeah, we get a snowflake. So we get a snowflake, and then, so far, my favorite thing about this book is that the things that happen after the snowflake are sometimes so fucking funny, because it's switching perspective. So yeah. now, all of a sudden, we've got, those pants were going to kill him. <laughs> Brutally, thoroughly kill him. Uh like wow tell us how you really feel like Cassian's like a little bit of a drama queen <laughs> just a wee bit but I still love him yeah um he notes that like yeah like okay logically he's seen her in pants before logically he's seen her literally in Illyrian fighting others before right like this is actually not new but for some reason these pants today Gonna make his dick fall off his pants. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, that's later. <laughs> Anybody who's right ahead, Jesus Christ. Anyway. <laughs> I told you we get spicy fast. It does, guys. I think it's the... I can't remember exactly where it falls. It's either next episode or the one right after. Can't I, I can't remember exactly where that chapter falls. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you and I had a great way. I'm I'm going to totally derail our conversation here really quick. But we're kind of there because Cassian's flipping out about her ass and leather pants. <laughs> um, we we were talking about, you know, we read chapter 55. And, and right. chapter 55 was nice and pretty. And yeah. yeah. And this one, it's... It's so different. Like this whole book, like you read everything from Favre's perspective. And I said, you know, it's even if it's kind of like kinky, weird sex, it's still very pretty. And um, I said it's from the, the artist perspective. Yeah. It's it like very. Yeah. 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 Rose colored glasses. A lot of rose yeah. colored glasses. But with uh, <laughs> with everything between Nesta and and Cassian, it's very raw and very brutal and very animalistic. So it's like yeah. watching a porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I used to read. Like I could read chapter. Okay, so like Kim knows I read um, a lot when I go and I get my allergy shots, and you have to wait to get your shots, and you have to wait after you get your shots. They want to make sure you don't, you know, pass out. And so I've been uh, an awful lot of time reading in waiting rooms. And so like when we were reading the Akatar books in the beginning, I would read like chapter 55 in the waiting room and just be like flipping pages, flipping pages. And this book this week, because I read pretty far ahead, I was like, oh my God, can people see me? Can people see what I'm reading? Like, Jesus, I'm going back to TikTok. <laughs> so um, yeah, all that to say, it starts here and it only gets worse from here. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. But like I said, it just, it was funny because the way you were describing it, I was just like, yeah, it's kind of like going from watching an art movie, have, you know, an arty movie where they're doing sex in an art movie versus a porn. 
Well, and some of that is because it comes from Cassian's perspective too, which is different. Like it, it, we may have a slightly different perception if we had gotten more of Reese's thinkings other than like this, my mate, I love her. Like we got a lot of this, my mate, I love her, but we didn't get so much of his uh, thought process like during the sexy times. And, so, but this being from Cassian's perspective, like I ain't going to go into it because, well, you can read it yourself, but we go from basically dead ass though to fuck, when was the last time I did have sex? Oh, it must have been like two years ago. I mean, these are thoughts that Favorite did not have. No. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, and then he's like remembering that time that Nesta said, you know, I've made my thoughts clear enough on what I want from you. And he's like, it's a whole lot of nothing. Like, she doesn't want me. Like, I, like I, you know, he would never, she would never choose me, blah, blah, blah. We get into this weird place for a minute. <laughs> They, he goes down i mean they both go down this weird mental emotional i'm not good enough spiral yeah and like boy like having read ahead it goes on and on and on y'all <laughs> so like buckle up <laughs> we don't work through that quickly okay <laughs> we do get a little of his okay we get like a little bit um out of uh our pants and a little back into our head. And uh, we start remembering, like we, Cassian, starts remembering uh, basically how, like, when he, like, how when he was basically dying back in Akhor, right? And he said some things. He said some things. And he has to live with that. And the thing is, is he said some things, but she was going to die with him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know what to do with that because it's at odds with everything that she's verbally ever said to him. And so he words it as basically it gave him hope, a stupid fucking hope, and one he should have known better than to harbor. And then he remembers and reminds us about that whole winter solstice debacle with following her home and she was being a bitch and he threw her present in the Sidron. Well, that went really well. I know. Like yeah, it. he admits that he that night thought about telling her how he felt and well that was probably a good thing that he didn't since that went so fucking sideways yeah poor guy i know but we get in his head for a little bit uh again i'm not gonna go into like too much detail because he also gets in his head kind of like Thinking about just in general, like the past, the present, how he's not handling it well in the present. And then more is here and more is never, never great added to the Cassian Nesta equation so far. <laughs> but we kind of fast forward to now, like in like Nesta's like mental state, which is she knows that what she needs to do today is the bare minimum. She needs to at least go to Windhaven. <laughs> This, this is where we're at. <laughs> you know, I gotta admit, I, like, she is not amused about having to go up to Windhaven. And I, I gotta admit, I don't think I would be either. Yeah. Yeah. I, it is just so heartbreaking. Like, really, if you think about, like, what it would be like to stand in this room with everybody. Because, truthfully, nobody's happy for so many different fucking reasons. But, like I said, she knew she had to do at least that. And essentially, so Nesta's, you know, as ready as she's ever going to be. <laughs> and Moore's there waiting with open arms to transport them. <laughs> what a good fucking time. 
and we get a snowflake. We then get a very long description of ice, snow, cold, shittiness. Again, you can read it. <laughs> yeah. It's Windhaven. It hasn't changed. Yeah. it It's as crappy as you remember. Um, <laughs> nobody came in and decorated for Christmas. Uh, you know. <laughs> but so they make it there. And we get what I think is interesting is like a little like side bit where Nest, we kind of get an idea of like how Nesta's brain works because we get Cassian kept his in like kept his wings in what Nesta called his casual spread, not wide, but not tucked in close. The position conveyed the perfect amount of ease and arrogance, readiness and power. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot for somebody who supposedly doesn't give two rats booty tails about him. <laughs> but that's okay. tells me she's not being very truthful. Oh, yeah. Mm, something tells me that you be correct. But anyway, we made it to, well, the hell hole on the mountain. And a familiar pain in the ass asks, what's her business here? And Nesta, this is why I do love Nesta, witchcraft. <laughs> Fuck with his head all over again. It's all good. Yeah. Devlin just starts his fucking stupid man. This is just, this is the most annoying thing I think I've ever read in maybe my whole life. He's like, okay, well, like, fine. She has to be here if she's training with you, whatever. Like, you know, Cassie will probably like cut my face off if I say too much. But I'm gonna say this. Any weapons she touches must be buried afterwards. Leave them in a pile. <laughs> and Cassian's like, no, we'll be doing no such thing. That is so fucking stupid. And Devlin just keeps digging his fucking grave. Like, this man does not know when to stop. It's, and the worst part is he's doing it with, like, a fork. So it's not like he's moving a lot of dirt. He's just making a big, fat, big fat mess. Yeah, he goes, are you bleeding, witch? If you are, you will not be allowed to touch the weapons at all. And Nesta is just in awe of this man's fucking audacity, right? Because it literally is just, she pauses and she like never pauses. She is just in awe of his fucking audacity. It and then Cassian's stupid. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, Cassian's like, those are outdated superstitions. She can touch whatever, like, weapons. It doesn't matter. Cycle, no cycle, witch, no fucking witch. Like, I don't care. Like, she, she gonna be touching the shit. And Devlin's like, she can, but they'll still be buried. And you can tell Nesta's just like, what is fucking, like, what, like, what am I witnessing right now? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Like, what the fuck? Anyway, so Devlin finally is like, you know, Devlin and Cassie have just come to an impasse on this stupid fucking conversation. And so he says, you know, how are the new recruits faring? And Devlin's all, you know, he's fine, whatever. And Cassian's like, okay, well, you know, pleasure talking to you as always. Let's go. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I don't know, like, how we thought this was going to go, okay? Like, I don't know if we really thought that we were just going to, like, give Nesta a bunch of fucking ultimatums, make her wear pants, which she fucking hates, take her up to Windhaven, make her listen to this completely dumb fucking drivel, and then be like, okay, cool, let's start our workout routine. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah, really sure. Know, it's so much fun to and so motivating to listen to a misogynistic misanthrope 
bash women. Right. So, like, I'm not really sure why right after that Cassian's like, okay, cool, like, loosen up. How are you feeling? Ready to go? <laughs> like, no, I'm fucking not. Like, ready to go home? <laughs> like, what the hell? So. Stab you, we can go home. I mean. Right. And so, truthfully, given how Kim and I feel we would have responded, I think Nesta is pretty fucking nice. <laughs> yeah. There would have been bloodshed on my end. Right? She just goes and sits her happy ass on a rock and is like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, she's like filing her nails, picking her nails, whatever. Just like, I am not paying attention to you. And he's like, what are you doing? And she, she goes, I told you, I'm not training. And he says, get up. And of course, that's also triggering because then like she remembers like, the whole king of highburn like yelling at her to get up and he she points out well i'm officially at training cassian but you can't make me do a lick of it drag me through it if you want but i won't lift a finger and i just don't know why we thought she was going to be all for you know bar class this afternoon yeah and then he handles it really well by basically cussing at her and saying, get the hell up. <laughs> I'm, again, I'm not, I, if you were talking with this in the discord, uh, I've pointed out that I'm not really sure what Cassian like thinks he's doing in these early chapters. Like, I'm not sure if he like forgot who Nesta is or like how she reacts to things, but he really likes to say things that just make her more fucking mad. <laughs> Well, yeah, but... And, and then he likes to be like, I don't know why she won't listen to me. I don't know. Maybe because you sound like a dick. Anyway, like, Jesus. I don't know. Sometimes I just really wish Az had, like, spent more time up here in these early chapters to be like, my dude. Like, it's your delivery. <laughs> well, and, you know, I think part of it is also like, he feels like he has to be a certain way because he is at Windhaven yeah yeah we do find that out i think yeah like next maybe it's the end of this chapter but yeah where it's like some of this is just in his head of like i am cassian the a-hole <laughs> you know and i i do think that's what part of this is i think you know i i don't know i think it, yeah i it, truly if i were her i i would have the same i would have a very similar response because being around jackholes like Devlin would put my teeth on edge and not in a really good way at all. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think Cassie, I think this is what, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, I think what is happening is, you know, the thing where sometimes, like, some people respond really well to, like, whatever those gym classes are, where basically you have, like, a drill sergeant fucking screaming at you, and then the rest of us are like, I will kick you in the nuts <laughs> And that's why they send us to like yoga lotties because we don't handle the screaming well. <laughs> for some people, it's motivating, and for other people, it's just like I'll find your car and light it on fire. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's what's happening. Cassian's used to working with a bunch of dudes where this works. Well, and that, and you know, it's not the the female that curls up and cries in the corner either i mean 
Right, right. I think, yeah, I think he's expecting one of those two things. Like, she's going to react like the dudes and this is going to work. Or she's going to cry. One of the two. And then instead she just gets really fucking mean. <laughs> she's like a chihuahua. Like, he could probably drag her through this, but it would be so dangerous and not worth it. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because when I think about it and I, I look at that, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he's 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 made his bed. He's going to lie in it. And I just... Oh, oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, how fucking dumb are you? Wait, don't answer That's what that. I'm saying. That's why I'm like, did he forget who she is? <laughs> I think Penny agrees with that, too, by the way. I know. My animals are just having all sorts of feelings. The, do- the dog is uh, howling her feelings in the background. So please bear with us while we try and quiet said animal. <laughs> all right. Well, we've established that Kim and I would not do well at Cassian's uh, 6 a.m. boot camp. that being said nesta could have done worse she sits her ass on the rock and refuses to get up pissing him off to no end however in her head she is having like a little battle that he can't see which is she kind of wants to give like she wants to get up she wants to get up and train just so that the other assholes all around will stop looking at cassian like oh he can't get her off the rock right So, I mean, he can't see it, but she's, like, sort of thinking about it, thinking about it. But ultimately, he doesn't know that. So when he's, like, basically standing there waiting for her to do something and she completely just sits and refuses to move, he gives this look of, like, disappointment or, uh, you know, anger. And all she can think is, like good like there's disgust on top of it which is i think the hard one for her to do i think that's the one yeah and that's the one where she in theory is thinking oh okay good like then you get it like this is not this isn't happening but we all know that like that's just so we've established kim and i would not do well at cassian's 6 a.m boot camp (laughs) no but we'll start with the fact that i'm not a morning person i've been known to cut people out in the morning anyway yeah, so there's that. And I, yeah, we don't know. I don't. I doubt Nesta identifies as a morning person. <laughs> you know, I don't think she does. <laughs> but what we do get is, like, from his point of view, he's basically being like, get up, get the hell up. He feels like he's being watched by Devlin and his assholes. And some part of Nesta is nicer than Kim and I, because even though she's sitting on her ass and refusing to move, in her head, she's thinking, get up. Don't humiliate him like this. Don't give him these assholes the satisfaction of seeing him made a fool. But she just can't move. And it sucks because he can't see that. I mean, like later in the story, we'll see moments where he kind of does start to see through her. But this is very early on. And this is like just post having this bitch ass conversation with Devlin. So he's not having it. And his face just falls in disgust, disappointment, anger. And she just thinks good. Like, now we're on the same page, even though we know that's like a cover for her real feels. I know. It's- but Cassian ultimately just turns away from her and begins the morning exercises without her. And she thinks like, let him hate her. It's better this way. Yes, he ended a chapter. 
big pouty face. No, like oh, yes. Like, like yes. I said before, I like. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be a huge Nesta fan per se, but this sure. book really does make me sympathize and empathize with her more and like her more. Sure. No, absolutely. So, chapter six. Uh, it's kind of interesting because he, <laughs> we get kind of like a visual, right? So each series of steps and movements Cassie went through was beautiful and lethal and precise. And it was all Nesta could do not to gawk. <laughs> Which like, I mean, fucking fair. Same, right? Like, yeah. same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, man I'm attracted to doing exercises like that in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting is, and I think this is what I love about the book being from like switching perspectives for the two of them, but like, per, like particularly getting this book from Nesta's perspective. It'd be one thing if we got like a Nesta Cassian, like, you know, story from somebody else's perspective, but being from Nesta's perspective, we get like these little moments where she's actually like really even more vulnerable with herself than I think I expected her to be. Like, I thought part of her problem up till now was that she didn't know herself very well, but she actually knows herself incredibly well. And that's mostly where the problem comes in. But she admits, like, in her head, you know, she'd never been able to look away from him. From the moment they'd met, she developed a keen awareness of his presence in any space, any room. She hadn't been able to stop it, to block it out, no matter how much she suggested otherwise. And she can remember back to, worst day ever. And she remembers him laying there, like, dying, telling her to go, and her just admitting, I can't, I can't. And she didn't it says she didn't know where the person she'd been in that moment and gone couldn't find her way back to her so basically even she knows that like that was the closest she ever got to actually telling him anything i know it's so sad yeah so mm, then just mm, mm. um <sighs> jesus christ um i'm sorry i just my brain can't um more comes and <laughs> she just never makes anything better <laughs> I just can't. More comes hard at work, I see. What the f- Yeah, again, what did you people think was going to happen, y'all? Like, I just do not, do not understand. Um, she uh, rubs me the wrong way, being like, he's pretty, isn't he? And Nesta's like, this is so fucking awkward. <laughs> and all of us reading are like, this is so fucking awkward. And uh, yeah. Moore is trying to ask her, like, well, why aren't you training with him? Like, why is he over there by himself? And <laughs> Nesta lies about taking a break. And Moore, <laughs> uh, she just, like I said, she has a way with words. My vote would have been to dump you right back in the human lands, you know. <laughs> Nesta says, oh, I know. Good thing being favorite sisters has its advantages. And then Moore's lip curls. uh this is the part that just makes me like want to deck more um (laughs) i knew plenty of people like you once you never deserve the benefit of the doubt that good people like him give you and i just want to take a pause for a minute because i think that's fascinating given i don't think probably like by that logic Nobody should trust a fucking word that Reese or Moore say. 
Yeah, I agree. So it's like, is this not like a little bit of like pot calling the kettle? Like, what? Pot, kettle, let me introduce you to each other. Yeah. Like, what? What? I also think it's like a shitty thing to say because it's like, it's like two-sided. Oh, you don't deserve like the, you know, you don't deserve the benefit of the doubt that he gives you. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, did I fucking miss the part where you all wanted to throw her like back in the fucking human realm and he's the only one who stood up for her? Oh yeah, actually, no. Actually, like this was just a whole big fucking convoluted plan. Apparently you're the only one who didn't want to give her a chance. (laughs) Like actually, bitch, that's just you. (laughs) No, Reese didn't want to give her a chance either. Yeah, um, that comes up like later in the book and I have a real big bone to pick about it. Yeah, that comes up big in like, I don't know, somewhere in the late teens, early 20s of this book. And Jesus Christ, I have a huge bone to pick about that. I'm starting, uh, side note, I'm starting to chunk out the chapters into the um, uh, uh, Discord. So if you want like really early thoughts, I will put them there. <laughs> I will put thoughts there weeks before you ever hear them in a podcast. <laughs> because this time Kelsey's actually reading ahead. Because I am mowing through this book. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm like 35% done already. <laughs> it does make okay. the discussion she and I have offline a lot easier to have. Yes. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, more is just never a fucking good time in this book. I mean, maybe maybe I will be convinced somewhere in the last two thirds of the book. But right now in the first third, I can I can definitely tell you more never has anything constructive to say. <laughs> no. At least not where Nesta's concerned. Nope. So, yeah, actually, I can't think of anything constructive she says, period, in the first third. But that's beside the point. Um, anyway, she, you know, says her shitty piece. And Nesta internalizes it and just thinks, like, you know, I'm well aware of that. Like, I don't deserve anything that, you know, he's giving me. And uh, well, now we just sit in silence and it's fucking awkward until Cassian comes over and says, you're early, you know, to more for picking them up. And she says, I wanted to see how things were coming along. It seems like today was a slow start. Again, I, I, I don't know who she's saying this to. Like, does she not, like, I don't understand whose benefit this is for. Do, do you just really, like, Nesta doesn't give a fuck about what you have to say, and all you're doing is grinding Cassian's gears. I know. So who the fuck's benefit is this for? I don't know if she sees it that way or not. I, I don't. she sees it as poking at Nesta, and, I mean, it does, but Nesta's never gonna let her see. Right. So I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't understand what more is, I side note a lot of people who have read this book have had very like guttural reactions to this book and have at the end of it not liked the inner circle at all i think from my experience so far being about a third of the way through i think that's a little extreme however i will say i didn't like more before this book and i am now fully convinced that more is a mean girl (laughs) like i am fully convinced that she needs a little bit of a redemption arc in a book of her own because right now she's not looking so good (laughs) i would actually kind of agree with that i mean yeah i mean i even thought 
in fairness, in fairness, I thought that back in like Akamath, where I was like, I get that she and Reese are cousins who like goat each other, but sometimes she needs to learn when to put a fucking cork in it. <laughs> yeah, and that just boils down to you got to remember that she grew up in the court of nightmares. Yeah, which is fair, which is fair. And actually, Nesta for a second even kind of like blips over that in her head. Yeah. Like, like remembering details about more just temporarily for a moment. Like, well, the bitch was like literally thrown to wolves. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, yeah. Anyway, those are those, them, them's those my thoughts on more. But ultimately Cassian's like, yeah, yeah, whatever you could say. It was a slow start. That's fine. Let's, let's all go. And more is like, shall we? And gets them out of there. And we get a stealth one. <laughs> And then Nesta, because she's like, you know, girl after my own thoughts, uh, right as soon as we get the snowflake, we get, Morgan was a self-righteous busybody. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Anyway, she's thinking this consistently, constantly, over and over in her head while she's at the library. Yeah. Uh, important to note, uh, she doesn't eat. And uh, this is like a bone I have to pick later as well. Um, she doesn't eat. We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she does find a note slipped beneath her door uh, and it just told her like to be at the library at one. That was, you know, she's done with her training this morning. Go to the library. Okay, cool. Here we are. Yep. And she <laughs> admits in her head, uh, I think a little disappointed, at least breaking him had been accomplished faster, faster than she'd anticipated. It's like this man, this grown ass fucking adult just slipped a note under my door instead of talking to me. <laughs> She's like, wow, I did that fast. <laughs> now what am I going to do? It's only noon. <laughs> um, but that's okay. <clears throat> she does venture off into the library and she you know, kind of reminds us, I think, for reader benefit, that it's been more than a year since she'd last been down there. And the last time was that whole horrifying incident with uh, Highburn's Raven assassin peeps and, you know, right. almost, uh, like, you know, dying. And uh, when she they got to the bottom, she and Feyre had been, like, running and they got to the bottom and, like, Cassian and Asriel showed. Was it Cassian and Asriel? No, yeah, right? Cassian and Reese and... No, Ka yeah. Well, Bryaxis. <laughs> yeah, Braxis. <laughs> Our friend. Good help. Our Good help. friend Braxis. <laughs> but anyway, they were there. And uh, of course, what she's locked on is he, she very vividly remembers like him reaching for her as she was like running terrified, right? Yep. But she slices off that butt. We ain't going down that road. Not right now, anyway. And she's sitting there with um, Clotho. And she <laughs> is kind of sitting there like, wait a minute. I know vaguely the backstory here. I know vaguely why these women are here, but she's caught off guard by like how wrecked her hands are. Yeah. You know, she makes a comment. The fingers are all at wrong angles and they're bent and they're, you know, and I got to admit, like you think about it and from, especially from Nesta's perspective, I cannot imagine how jarring that would be. Yeah. But I know it has to be very jarring for her and very unnerving. 
Well, it's, yeah, and it sets off a whole bad, big, ugly in her head because she flashes back to a memory and uh, it's a lot. Hands shoving her down, down, down into the freezing water, voices laughing and sneering, a brutish male face grinning as he anticipated the trophy that would be pulled forth. She couldn't stop it, couldn't save Elaine sobbing on the floor, couldn't save herself. No one was coming to rescue her, and these males would do what they wanted, and her body was not her own, not human, not much, not for much longer. And again, she has to, like, close that door. Yeah. And I just feel for her because, like, other things we know. Like, (laughs) unfortunately, I don't think anybody put together... (laughs) in a swift enough time to be useful. Um, what it might be like to have somebody basically shoving you uh, underwater against your will, making your body not your own, particularly if you already have like sexual assault trauma of somebody shoving you down and trying to make you give, se- you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like, it's really, really bad in general, both individually, but combined it's a lot. It is. It's not good. No. Um, so yeah, so she <laughs> clocks that thought, puts it away for a little while, close the door. <laughs> close the door, don't look at it, it's not there. <sighs> and she's kind of listening as the priestess is telling her, you know, well, not telling her, <laughs> writing her notes <laughs> about Clotho what she's talk. Do. Remember, Clotho, Clotho doesn't speak. Out. Yeah, yeah, so she can't talk. She does write the note. And I, I like Clotho, but she can be... We find I out know. a little bit more about Clotho in this book. Yeah, but like, yeah. You, know, you can begin today by shelving books on level three. Take the ramp behind me to reach it. There will be a cart with the books, which are organized alphabetically by author. If there is no author, set them aside and ask for help at the end of your shift. So she has to do five hours of work. Nessa's like, okay, yep. fine. Yup. And it, it's, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, it, she feels like Clotho can kind of see through her a little to the turmoil and, and raging emotions going on inside of her. And she's not really sure what to do that, but, you know, Nesta's thought process. And this is, like I said, this is, where I can't understand and appreciate, I, I, I get where Nesta is coming from, which is the, I am worthless. I am nothing. I yeah. hate everything that I am. And I am so, so tired. I am tired of wanting to be anywhere, but in my own head and girlfriend, can I relate to that? Yeah, no, I know. I thought it was super, I don't know. I thought it was super hard to read. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I probably felt that too hard. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what I, I said to you offline. I said, oh, you know, the early books were fun to read um, because I did not like I I, <laughs> I generally don't feel I give myself like I don't see myself as a main character most of the time. I always joke that I'd be like the chick off in the corner. Like what? Like I joked incessantly on here that it's fine. Um, Feyre can have Reese. I'm just some chick that's not mentioned in the side of this book who uh, spends a lot of time trying to get Lucian to notice her. Um, <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> that's, why I'm, that's why I'm not an Elaine fan. She took my man. Um, <laughs> but, okay. 
always, you know, like I, I, there were moments that I identified with Feyre. There were moments I didn't understand her, you know, and then we read Crescent City and like me and Bryce did not click. And I was like, nope, I don't get it. Like I ended up really liking the story by the end, but like me and Bryce, like that wasn't it. Like I don't, I don't get her. Um, man, and if I don't get Bryce, I really don't fucking understand anything Hunt does. Um, <laughs> Bryce, but, but this book is like painful because every time Nesta does something, I'm like, uh, I get it. <laughs> and also, uh, I get it. And everybody hates this book. <laughs> Great. <laughs> But that's I would okay. say everybody hates it. There are a lot of people out there who like it. I didn't Fair. hate it. Like I've never <laughs> hated the book. It's not no, my I favorite, but, I... but yeah. So I just laugh. I'm like, oh, feel this, feel this hard. But anyway, Nesta is doing her uh, downward spiral, uh, pushing her little <laughs> library card along, just doing the business, and we get a snowflake. Yeah. And we do get her kind of going through her head. You know, it's a menial task. She's just doing what she's doing, shelving the books. She's thinking about how this place, you know, was gifted to them as a sanctuary by Reese. Uh, and that that meant on some level, like <laughs> when Reese and Favorite came to them with this plan, they accepted her presence there. And what I find interesting about that is I don't know what they... I don't know what story they told the priestesses, right? Like, I don't know exactly what they came to them and said why they wanted to send Nesta here to work. Fair, but of the three sisters, the real reader is Nesta, has always been Nesta. Oh, no, absolutely. But what I'm saying is is I find it in... Oh, I was going to say, well, maybe... I don't think Reese was the one who really felt that the library would be the place for her. I'll be honest. I'm thinking that's all Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, you know what? Let her work in the library. Let her work around books. Let her work in a place where I know she can be comfortable. And and I think that that probably is true. But I'm just saying, like, you have to wonder. You have to wonder if and however, whatever story they picked, however they chose to explain this, right? However they chose to explain to the priestesses this situation. I wonder if there was some aspect that to them just felt like they were just given some detail that the priestesses picked up on and kind of thought, no, she needs a sanctuary too. You know what I mean? Like if some piece of them, because they need this place so much and they need the comfort and they need the hideout and they need each other. If something about the story stuck out to them and they're like, yep, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, bring her here. You know what I mean? And it's very possible because she definitely does need the sanctuary that the library offers. She really does. Right. So I just wonder if there was some, you know what I mean? Some little tidbit that Reese and Feyre thought wasn't important that the priestesses picked up on. We're like, "Mm, that girl got trauma like us. (laughs) You know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. That's a thought I hadn't had. Um, Yeah. And having read it, I, I, can tell you like i i mean having read it not just one time but now quite a few times it definitely is it definitely is a different that's a different take on it that i hadn't thought of and you know she does she has trauma and she definitely in that sense would benefit from the from the sanctuary given by the library and the the healing that she could get there just like the priestesses so right i don't know i mean who knows yeah, I just thought it was, I don't know. It just occurred to me. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Nesta, 
just uh, doesn't think that hard about it. And she does her job. She's ready. She's done. She goes, let Clotho know I'm done for the day. Who writes her little note? Thank you for your assistance. We will see you tomorrow. And Nesta's like, okie dokie then. <laughs> but then Clotho writes her another note. Wear clothes you don't mind getting dusty. You'll wreck that beautiful dress down here. <laughs> and Nesta's just like, all right. But then Clotho writes one more note. It was nice to meet you, Nesta. Feyre speaks highly of you. <laughs> Nesta says no one likes a liar priestess. <laughs> And she realizes that Clotho is kind of laughing and the way Clotho laughs. I love that. I love that. And I guess that's the part that made me think that, like, I don't know that Feyre outwardly intentionally would speak highly of Nesta as much as she would be pretty honest about what Nesta's been through up to this point. And I could see the priestesses looking at that as... Like, oh, yeah, she needs this. And 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 Feyre is expressing that. And Feyre wouldn't even know she was doing that. Because as we know, Feyre's a little, like, you know, over... Things go over her head sometimes. <laughs> you know, and I think, honestly, that's a very plausible reason for how this all comes about. I think in listening to Feyre, and I mean in listening, not, you know, anything else, but listening to Feyre yeah. and Reese and listening to them talk about Nesta and their feelings and what you know their concerns and issues are i think absolutely i think the priestesses kind of went she needs to be here whether they see it really or not she needs right. to be here and i think i mean you know now that you say that, it makes so much sense i totally forgot about her whole little favor speaks highly of you yeah but i don't think I don't think Feyre would not speak highly of her sister per se. I just think she wouldn't. She's not going to gush and be like, oh, she's my best friend. No, I just, yeah, it's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot because we'll see in some of these later chapters that Feyre does say some very like nice and like heartfelty things to Nesta. However, I 100% think that's only because of the stuff that's happening in Feyre's life. I don't think that that's something Feyre would have said six months ago in the middle of this nine month of us knowing nothing, right? Like, I don't think post-winter solstice, that's exactly how that would have gone down. Yeah. Feyre's given Nesta more benefit of the doubt than pretty much anyone else. Including, yeah. Including Elaine. Yeah, don't even get me started, guys. Guys, if you want my thoughts on some of the shit that Elaine pulls later in this book, mm, go get in the Discord. Anyway. <laughs> I'm talking about just go back to Frost and Starlight. Oh, yeah, I know. But, like, it gets so bad in this book. <laughs> I know, but go back to Frost and Starlight. I mean, yeah. not. Elaine's hit her, her level of tolerance with Nesta long before Feyre ever did. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. I also will get to that one day. I have theories on uh, Elaine's actual <laughs> problem. <laughs> but anyway, the reason she doesn't like Nesta is I not I don't think anything Nesta really could have controlled much. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we get a snowflake. 
It's dinner time. Cassian does not come to dinner. Nesta stops by her room. Her stomach's growling. Dining room's empty. Guess I'll have a meal by myself, she thinks. Good. That's the way I like it. Pulls up to a table. You know how the magic house works. The house is the best character of the book. (laughs) And she pulls up to the table. Food appears. It's uh, dumped unceremoniously onto the placemat. Ugh, okay. Well, the house has a tood. So Nesta says, wine. Nothing appears. Wine. (laughs) Nothing appears. Were you told to not give me wine? (laughs) Um, seems that's the case. No wine appears. <laughs> so Nesta, as if she wasn't irritated with this day already, has hit a new level of pissed off. And she looks at the half a roast chicken and she sees like the mashed potatoes and she's just irritated to no end. So instead of just sitting there and eating her food like a normal person, <laughs> she gets up. Keep your wine. I'll, I'll get my own. Well, but the best part was, is that the house, instead of giving her wine, pours her a glass of water. Yeah, that's probably what tipped her over the edge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's the end of the chapter, but like, remember what she has to do if she wants to go get her own glass of wine. And guys, it's funny. It goes as well as you think it does. It's just fucking funny. So that'll be a great time for next time. (laughs) She's going to become the Stairmaster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Poor, poor little thing. (laughs) Poor skinny bitch should have eaten her chicken before she decided to endeavor down 10,000 fucking stairs. (laughs) I know. It's just, I... I don't know. The whole thing is just kind of. Like you and I've talked about offline, just to like wrap up my thoughts on this beginning. um, Obviously I'm, I'm, you know, mowing through the book uh, at my own pace (laughs) and enjoying it immensely. Um, I do think this beginning is faster paced than we've seen the other Akatar books, certainly faster paced than we saw Crescent City with the caveat that Crescent City was trying to build a lot of extra things. So like, there's a reason like Crescent City had to do this weird thing where we got a lot of like start stop going on for the first third (laughs) we'd rev up speed and then we'd come crashing to a halt for a little bit um but that was because we were world building here we have the advantages of already being in a world nobody has to explain the house to us we already know yeah I mean it's there's nobody has to explain Devlin to us we know (laughs) yeah you know and I think the thing that I kind of do like about it like I said I think I've never been a fan of Nesta because her coping mechanisms are part of what make me absolutely want to beat the snot out of her. Sure. Um, Because taking it out on her sister like that is just not cool, in my opinion. Never. No, I get it. And I think that's why I, my biggest issue with Nesta is, you know, yes, she's allowed to have her trauma. Yes, she is allowed to be upset and unhappy and feel the way she does. But her coping mechanism is to be a bitch to her sister. That's not. That doesn't. Yeah. Sit I, very comfortably. 
Yeah, and I get that to a certain extent. I just also feel like... Um, I think that uh, some, like, I don't know. The way I see that whole aspect is, like, it is a coping mechanism that's a not healthy one. Um, however, I also just get the feeling that that is also some sibling drama that would have existed with or without some of the traumas they've been through. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I think that's where being an only child, I I have no patience. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can tell you, I mean, like I only have one sister. We're four years apart. So we are farther apart. We are nested of Feyre far apart, not nested to Elaine far apart, you know? Right. And I can tell you that like as adults, we are different people, but like as children, there were times that probably we were not um, much better than the two of them. And I can understand that. You know, and I think also families see things, if that makes sense. Like, like, I think a lot of what Feyre and Nesta deal with stems from, like, their mother. So, I, you know, and their dad and, like, their shared experience of that. So, it's, like, it's not just the trauma of the things that have happened to them. It's, like, they would, they all need individual therapy for their traumas, right? But then they need family therapy for the three of them you know what i mean Uh, oh absolutely and so like i guess that's why like that doesn't upset me too much because like i also like you know i only have one kid and like i've been talking to friends of mine who have more than one kid being like yeah like we don't know if we want to have another how far apart blah 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 and it's been so interesting to hear people with their two cents about like how far apart their kids are and like what the ramifications of that are right and it's so interesting to have like friends of mine who go, oh, well, like I have kids who are two years apart and they're like BFFs, but me and my sibling are two years apart and we fucking hate each other. And it's like, so like to me, them not getting along is like its own fucking bag of worms. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. And I guess the only way I can kind of liken it is that Feyre and Nesta's relationship in many ways is like my cousin I have a cousin who I as a child we had at the best of times a tumultuous relationship with one another (laughs) um I vividly remember us in my father's car my dad was driving us up to Michigan and we were bickering so much that my dad actually pulled the car over and told us to knock it off and i mean we were kids and yeah i mean he was like ready to strangle us and 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 my dad was like look he i mean he jumped on both of us and he's like you know he told me i need to let it go but he turned around he told my cousin and even though i'm older than her he told my cousin he goes you need to back off yeah because your behavior is not appropriate um and unfortunately what a lot of it stemmed from is the fact that she had been with my my mom's mom my grandmother and my aunt and she is my uncle's daughter and i mean i I love her now and she and i get along very well but i think there was a lot of stuff going on in the family dynamic at that point my uncle had always been my grandmother's favorite right right and so of course this child was her favorite and so she was yeah. quite coddled by my grandmother and my aunt and i have never i was never coddled by them right um, and you know i i 
she was she was it got to the point she was actually throwing it in my face as a kid like we were yeah. in the car and she was throwing it in my face and i got pissed off and that's why my dad was like you need to knock it off and I mean, he told me he goes he looked at me he goes you need to just let it go like ignore her yeah. and let it go but like even though i'm older and he yeah was like but he looked at my cousin and told her he goes you need to stop you're, yeah. you're being an obnoxious little not very nice little girl and you yeah stop. yeah um so you know it is it's one of those things and it we were adults before she and i really got to the point where we could sit down and have a conversation and really talk now we talk and we're fine but as kids yeah. we hated each other well and i think that's an interesting thing to touch on here with these characters because uh i think it's in a later chapter that it like it wasn't applied in this way but it made me think about it kind of like now what you're saying too like it's kind of weird to me that you've got all of these like hundreds of year old fae who have their fucking drama, right? Like as Cassie and Amore can't get their fucking shit straight, right? right? And they're looking at Nesta and Feyre and Elaine like, get yourself together. Nesta, you're being such a bitch. Why can't you just get over yourself? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, these bitches are less than 30 years old. Period. Like- like, by the time this episode airs, like, I'm turning 30. So, like, they're younger than me. And, like, I can tell you right now, like, I'm not fucking over some trauma that happened. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I still need therapy. Like, <laughs> you know? So, like, it's just whack-ass to me that somebody, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, what, 12 times older than Nesta? <laughs> It's like a bit out of shape because she's not handling trauma the way they fucking would. Exactly. And I'm just like, this is wild to me, <laughs> which admittedly also goes with what you were saying about why like Feyre probably does hold more space for Nesta than the others because Feyre is not only related to her, but also kind of lives in that like we're babies <laughs> well yeah and i think also the difference is is that even though favor is the youngest in many ways she was what they call a functional firstborn child because yeah she was the I one do. here at an early age who had to step up and take the responsibility for the family and and be that that older sibling as far as feeding them and, and making yeah which yeah. is an interesting thing too that comes up later in this book um like nesta's viewpoint of like what was going on at that time and it's it's interesting to me because when we read books one two and three i kept arguing that that just because you didn't see what nesta was doing i doubted she was just sitting there berating vera and i was right <laughs> I knew that, but no, I know. I'm just saying a lot of people acted like like Nesta was just I don't know. I don't know what they thought she was doing. Um <laughs> and I'm not sure like it's just interesting to see like from Nesta's perspective. Like we know like what possessed Feyre to like go out and get the fucking rabbit or whatever to eat, right? right. But like once you see what Nesta thought she was doing, uh 
Truthfully, I'm not sure that two of them that were untrained, like going out and trying to catch a rabbit would have been any better than the two of them splitting methods. And you know what I mean? For all we knew, what Nesta was doing could have worked eventually. And it's possible. Um, I I don't know. I just We have no idea. My problem with with how Nesta handled it is is even when Pharaoh would ask her to do something (laughs) of a... (laughs) Yeah take care of the house kind of responsibility nesta couldn't be bothered yeah and that's interesting too because that's been brought up too in some of the like fandom things and i think uh no not in the discord but i think we i was chatting with somebody on one of the fan pages on facebook and we were saying it's kind of interesting too though because again like we only know that from favor's perspective and to our knowledge the way that the house is actually like the cottage is described even though favor acted like nesta and elaine did nothing they must have because that because favor was gone during the day most days right and it's not like she came home and nothing had happened right so they were doing things but it's just it's like anything it's it's to me what's interesting is the way nesta and favor are functioning is very much what i see over on tiktok with uh first-time parents which is Everybody always thinks they're doing more than like their spouse. But that's because the way they see what's happening isn't the way the other person sees it. Exactly. So, so like a dad who works all day feels like, oh, my wife's so lucky she gets to stay home. But then like the mom who stays home is dealing with literal shit all day and then feels like, oh my God, my husband's so lucky he gets to go and talk to adults all day. Yeah. And so I think that what you see with Feyre and Nesta is that both of them thought they were doing what they were supposed to be doing and couldn't understand why the other one was so fucking mad about it. Right. <laughs> it makes sense. I don't disagree with you at all. Which is, which is what brings up the big question I have, which is, okay, but if that's true, what the fuck was Elaine doing? <laughs> other than growing food they couldn't fucking eat she wasn't even growing food she was just growing flowers right like other than growing shit they couldn't eat (laughs) i still stand by that is the hill i would die on which is we could talk about how nesta could have done more elaine literally had the power to be like making potatoes happen and didn't (laughs) potatoes carrots turnips (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, maybe in her book she'll explain that she tried and for some reason she just like really like fucked the herb garden up and just couldn't handle it. She got flowers to grow. Who knows? Maybe we're gonna find out because Elaine has this special talent called can make roses, can't make carrots. (laughs) It's a possibility. So, yeah, we'll be eating our words. Isn't that what SJM does? <laughs> that is very true. We will. That's okay. Anyway, Kim, you have a song list for chapters one through six for us. I do. And thank you all for your patience and understanding while we put it at the end of the second episode because originally this was all supposed to be one episode. So we appreciate your understanding and your patience. Uh, in no particular order, because if you can't figure out where these belong, I'm a little worried, then you haven't been paying attention to the last 
six chapters we just went through. Here are the songs. Uh, song one is Bitch by Meredith Brooks. I will say that is just kind of like the theme song for Nesta. It's kind of... Fair. And I don't mean it necessarily in that a, in that she's a total complete bitch, but it, I mean, if you listen to the lyrics, there are parts of that song that also describe a very strong, self-sufficient person. And I think Nesta, while she has attitude, also is that very str- self, that strong, self-sufficient individual. And I think that that is important to note when we are talking about all of this. Uh, the next song is Bitch of Living from the Spring Awakening soundtrack. And I, I, I will truly say that I think that kind of describes, in particular, the last nine months of Nesta's life. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, the first little bit of this book, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Um, I have two songs that are really for the same time, for the same thing. One is Nightmare by Emerald Isle. And the other one is Nightmare by Halsey. And they're really both for the prologue, the nightmare that she's having, and some of the flashbacks she has to uh, the cauldron and other moments of that nature. Um, There's the song People I Don't Like by Upsal, which is really the meeting at the house and more. Yep, yep. Uh, Vices by Mothika, which if you don't know why I picked that, we got other issues, people. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I find it to be a very appropriate choice for uh, Nesta. Um, there's I Hate Everyone by Sarah Barrios. Again, everybody at the meeting. Right. Um, we have Sober by Bad Wolves. And I think the end of uh, Chapter 6 with the house is a pretty fair description. I would say so. Um Painkiller by Grabbits, because I think really a lot of her coping mechanisms are her way of trying yeah. to kill the pain in her life and sure. her feelings. Uh, Black Out the Noise by Johnny Craig. Uh, Broken by Palais Royale. And I Think I Hate Myself by Hot Milk. And again, those are all really more to do with how Nesta's feeling and her coping skills and her coping mechanisms and just the things that we hear from her. I mean, there's that point where she talks about she doesn't even really like herself very much. Yeah. So I think it's kind of appropriate to have these songs in here. And then the last one I didn't even think of and Kelsey thought of it, and I think it's absolutely genius, is The Other Side from The Greatest Showman soundtrack for a very specific (laughs) set of lyrics that really kind of explain nesta uh yeah i said you know like the second half when uh what's his face uh well bailey because it's barnum and bailey so what the fuck is that guy's name though zach efron (laughs) when zach efron sings the part where he's like so thanks but no i think i'm good to go (laughs) like i feel like this is when they're like okay nesta we have uh, an ultimatum for you. You have two choices, okay? You can go to Windhaven and do all this fucking shit. And she's like, thanks, but no, I think I'm good to go. Because I quite enjoy the life you say I'm trapped in. And it's like, um, yeah, it's that or fucking like go off into the human lands. Oh shit, never mind. I guess I'll fucking go. Um, 
because <laughs> then he kind of changes his, he's like, uh, he says that line, you know, no, I admire you in that whole show you do. You're onto something. Really, it's something. <laughs> so it's like I could see her like momentarily changing her tune. Thanks, but no. Okay, then go back to the human line. Never mind. You know, I think you're onto something. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, I was just like, this makes me giggle. So those are the songs, I think. You know, and if you guys have any, please put them in the Discord. Throw them, you know. Throw them up on yes, social. we've gotten a couple yeah. in there. We have, and they've Later. been wonderful choices, and I'm excited. Um, so thank you guys for doing that. But seriously, I, I, I welcome any and all ideas and suggestions. Um, I will say that this book is a lot harder for me of the Akatar World uh, books to find songs for. Girl, it's fine. I have so many already. <laughs> and I think that's the difference, like, for you, because you really relate to Nesta. And I, I mean that in the best way. Okay. It's not just that, though. I thought about this when I was in the car earlier. That's why I sent you this song for today. And I sent you a song for the next set of chapters. And I think I have another one for the next set of chapters, too. Um, I was just thinking, um, I think it has to do with, like, the vibes of a book. Mm-hmm. And this book, because like Nesta's so in her feelings and Cassian's like a macho-y man, um, I listen to like a lot of punk rock. <laughs> and a lot of just like rock in general. And I was yeah. like, I just feel like that didn't fit most things up until now. But I'm like, now I am in my element. These songs are perfect. <laughs> I mean, they are definitely... I. It- it's funny for a girl who's all into new wave. Like I am, I'm not, I'm not even going to try to pretend I am. I'm into alternative rock, new wave, like the cure yeah. mode. Um, so punk is definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I, I'm with you. I feel it. Um, I just, I don't know. I have more for further on into the story. Sure. But I am so excited. I get to use uh, a bunch of bands whose names I can't fucking pronounce. <laughs> like that Italian band I fucking love, but I have no idea how to say their fucking name. Uh, they did New Year's last year. So, like, they're cool. <laughs> I mean, there are great bands out there. I mean, but you and I both know that. We both listen to obnoxious amounts of music and yeah yeah we're like i forget oh man i'll have to go look at my spotify wrapped again i'm like in the top half of users like for minutes a day or whatever (laughs) yeah so yeah 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 all right uh we'll go work on our pronunciations of some uh like foreign uh artists because i do not know how to pronounce that one band Monaskin, maybe I'm not sure, and I don't know how to pronounce the chick who has the perfect, perfect song for later in this book. I'm so fucking excited! Um, literally so perfect. I'm not sure how to say her name. Fauzia, maybe I have no fucking I idea. Have to look anyway, <laughs> that's why we put them in the show notes. <laughs> that's right. 
Speaking of show notes, you can find us on all the things. They're in the show notes. Uh, MassiveFansBookClub.com. Facebook at MassiveFansBookClub and Podcast. Twitter at MassivePodcast. Instagram at MassiveFansPodcast. Pinterest at MassiveFans. TikTok at MassiveFanPod. If you go look at Twitter, we've put like nothing there forever. But if you decided to tweet us, we would actually pay attention. <laughs> yeah, though. I. Mm. It's okay. Twitter's going to be gone soon, guys. <laughs> It's digging its grave as we speak. Yeah. I know more people that have suddenly <laughs> left Twitter that it's not even uh, funny. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, if you like tweeted us, we'd see that. So yeah. <laughs> true. Also, go join us in the Discord. Yes, please, please, please come join us and play with us in Discord. Yep, yep. Okay. I think that's all. Okay.